Unbound Theatre presents Sounds and Sweet Airs, the complete works of William Shakespeare. King John, Act Four. Keep me these high and hot, and look thou stand within the arras. When I strike my foot upon the bosom of the ground, rush forth and bind the boy which you will find with me fast to the chair. Be heedful, hence and watch. I hope your warrant will bear out such a deed. Uncleanly scruples, fear not you. Look to it. Young lad, come forth. I have to say with you. Good morrow, Hubert. Good morrow, little prince. You are sad. Indeed, I have been merrier. Mercy on me. Methinks nobody should be sad but I. So I were out of prison and kept sheep, I should be as merry as the day is long. And so I would be here. But that I doubt my uncle practices more harm to me. He is afraid of me, and, and I of him. Is it my fault that I was Geoffrey's son? No, indeed it's not. And I would to heaven I were your son. So you would love me, Hubert? If I talk to him with his innocent prate, he will wait my mercy which lies dead. Therefore I will be sudden and dispatch. Are you sick, Hubert? You look pale today. In sooth, I would you were a little sick, that I might sit all night and watch with you. I warrant I love you more than you do me. His words do take possession of my bosom. Read here, young Arthur. Now, foolish room, turning dispiteous torture out of door. I must be brief. Less resolution drop out mine eyes in tender womanish tears. Can you not read it? Is it not fair writ? Too fairly, Hubert, for so foul effect. Must you with hot irons burn out both mine eyes? Young boy, I must. And will you? And I will. Have you the heart? When your head did but ache, I knit my handkerchief about your brows. The best I had, a princess wrought at me, and I did never ask it you again. And with my hand at midnight held your head, and like the watchful minutes to the hour, still and anon cheered up the heavy time, saying, what lack you, and where lies your grief? Or what good love may I perform for you? Many a poor man's son would have lain still, and ne'er have spoke a loving word to you. But you, at your sick service, had a prince. Nay, you may think my love was crafty love, and call it cunning. Do, and if you will, if heaven be pleased that you must use me ill, then you must. Will you put out mine eyes, these eyes that never did nor never shall so much as frown on you? I have sworn to do it, and with hot irons I must burn them out. If an angel should have come to me and told me Hubert should put out mine eyes, I would not have believed him. No tongue but Hubert's. Come forth. Do as I bid you do. Oh, save me, Hubert. Save me. My eyes are out, even with the fierce looks of these bloody men. Give me the iron, I say, and bind him here. For heaven's sake, Hubert, let me not be bound. Nay, hear me, Hubert. Drive these men away, and I will sit as quiet as a lamb. I will not stir, nor wince, nor speak a word. Thrust but these men away, and I'll forgive you. 
whatever torment you do put me to. Go, stand within. Let me alone with him. I am best pleased to be from such a deed. Alas, I then have chid away my friend. He hath a stern look, but a gentle heart. Let him come back, that his compassion may give life to yours. Come, boy, prepare yourself. Is there no remedy? None but to lose your eyes. Oh, heaven, that there were but a moat in yours. A grain, a dust, a gnat, a wandering hair, any annoyance in that precious sense. Then feeling what small things are boisterous there, your vile intent must needs seem horrible. Is this your promise? Go to, hold your tongue. Hubert, the utterance of a brace of tongues must needs want pleading for a pair of eyes. Let me not hold my tongue. Let me not, Hubert. Or Hubert, if you will, cut out my tongue, so that I may keep mine eyes. Oh, spare mine eyes! Though to no use but still to look on you. Lo, by my truth, the instrument is cold and would not harm me. I can heat it, boy. No, in good sooth, the fire is dead with grief. There is no malice in this burning coal. The breath of heaven has blown his spirit out and strewed repentant ashes on his head. With my breath I can revive it, boy. And if you do, you will but make it blush and glow with shame of your proceedings, Hubert. Well, see to live. I will not touch thy knife for all the treasure that thine uncle owes. Oh, now you look like Hubert. All this while you were disguised. Peace. No more. Adieu. Your uncle must not know, but you are dead. I'll fill these dogged spies with false reports. And, pretty child, sleep doubtless and secure. That Hubert, for the wealth of all the world, will not offend thee. Oh, heaven, I thank you, Hubert. Silence, no more. Go closely in with me. Much danger do I undergo for thee. Here once again we sit, once again crowned, and looked upon, I hope, with cheerful eyes. This, once again but that your highness pleased, was once superfluous. You were crowned before, and that high royalty was ne'er plucked off, the face of men never stained with revolt. Fresh expectation troubled not the land with any longed-for change or better state. Therefore, to be possessed with double pomp, to guard a title that was rich before, to gild refined gold, to paint the lily, to throw a perfume on the violet, to smooth the ice, or add another hue unto the rainbow, or with taper light to seek the beauteous eye of heaven to garnish, is wasteful and ridiculous excess. To this effect, before you were new crowned, we breathed our counsel, but it pleased your highness to overbear it, and we are all well pleased since all and every part of what we would doth make us stand at what your highness will. Some reasons of this double coronation I have possessed you with and think them strong, and more, more strong than lesser is my fear. I shall endue you with. Meantime, but ask, what would you have reformed that is not well? And well shall you perceive how willingly I will both hear and grant you your requests. Then I, as one that on the tongue of these, to sound the purpose of all their hearts, both of myself and them, but chief of all your safety, for the which myself and them bend their best studies, heartily request the enfranchisement of Arthur, 
whose restraint doth move the murmuring lips of discontent to break into this dangerous argument. If what in rest you have in right you hold, why then your fears, which, as they say, attend the steps of wrong, should move you to mew up your tender kinsman and choke his days with barbarous ignorance and deny his youth the rich advantage of good exercise? That the time's enemies may not have this to grace occasions. Let it be our suit that you have bid us ask his liberty, for which our goods we do no further ask them whereupon our will, on you depending, counts it your will he have his liberty. Let it be so. I do commit his youth to your direction. Hubert, what news with you? This is the man should do the bloody deed. He showed his warrant to a friend of mine. The image of a wicked, heinous fault lives in his eye. That close aspect of his does show the mood of a much troubled breast. And I do fearfully believe tis done what we do fear the had charge to do. The colour of the king doth come and go between his purpose and his conscience. His passion is so ripe, it needs must break. And when it breaks, I fear will issue thence the foul corruption of a sweet child's death. We cannot hold mortality's strong hand. Good lords, although my will to give is living, the suit which you demand is gone and dead. He tells us Arthur is deceased tonight. Indeed. We feared his sickness was past cure. Indeed. We heard now near his death he was, before the child himself felt he was sick. This must be answered either here or hence. Why do you bend such solemn brows on me? Think you I bear the shears of destiny? Have I commandment on the pulse of life? It is apparent foul play. And tis shame that greatness should so greatly offer it. So, thrive it in your game. And so, farewell. Stay yet, Lord Salisbury. I'll go with thee and find the inheritance of this poor child, his little kingdom of a forced grave, that blood which owed the breath of all this isle. Three foot of it doth hold, bad world the while. This must not be thus born. This will break out to all our sorrows and ere long I doubt. They burn in indignation, I repent. There is no sure foundation set on blood, no certain life achieved by others' death. A fearful eye thou hast. Where is that blood that I have seen inhabit in those cheeks? So foul a sky clears not without a storm. Pour down thy weather. How goes all in France? From France to England. Never such a power for any foreign preparation was levied in the body of a land. The copy of your speed is learned by them. For when you should be told they do prepare, the tidings come that they are all arrived. Oh, where hath our intelligence been drunk? Where hath it slept? Where is my mother's care that such an army could have been drawn in France, and she not hear of it? My liege, her ear is stopped with dust. The first of April died, your noble mother, and as I hear my lord. The Lady Constance in a frenzy died three days before, but this from rumour's tongue I idly heard. If true or false, I know not. Withhold thy speed, dreadful occasion! Oh, make a league with me till I have pleased my discontented peers! What? Mother dead! How wildly then walks my estate in France! Under whose conduct came those powers of France that thou for truth givest thou thou landed here? Under the Dauphin! Thou hast made me giddy with these ill tidings. Now, what says the world to your proceedings? Do not seek to stuff my head with more ill news, for it is full. But if you 
Be afeard to hear the worst, then let the worst unheard fall on your head. The French are here, men's mouth are full of it. But as I travelled hither through the land, I find the people strangely fantasied, possessed with rumours full of idle dreams, not knowing what they fear, but full of fear. Besides, I met Lord Bigot and Lord Salisbury, with eyes as red as new enkindled fire, and others more going to seek the grave of Arthur, who they say is killed tonight on your suggestion. Gentle kinsman, go and thrust thyself into their companies. I have a way to win their loves again. Bring them before me. I will seek them out. Nay, but make haste, the better foot before. Oh, let me have no subject enemies when adverse foreigners affright my towns with dreadful pomp of stout invasion. Be Mercury, set feathers to thy heels, and fly like thought from them to me again. The spirit of the time shall teach me speed. My mother dead. My lord, they say five moons were seen tonight, four fixed, and the fifth did whirl about the other four in wondrous motion. Five moons? Old men and baldams in the streets do prophesy upon it dangerously. Young Arthur's death is common in their mouths, and when they talk of him, they shake their heads and whisper one another in the ear, with wrinkled brows, with nods, with rolling eyes. Why seekst thou to possess me with these fears? Why urgest thou so oft young Arthur's death? Thy hand hath murdered him. I had a mighty cause to wish him dead, but thou hast none to kill him. No cause, my lord. Why did you not provoke me? It is the curse of kings to be attended by slaves that take their humours for a warrant to bring within the bloody house of life and on the winking of authority to understand a law. To know the meaning of dangerous majesty when perchance it frowns more upon humour than advised respect. Here is your hand and seal for what I did. Oh, when the last account twixt heaven and earth is to be made, then shall this hand and seal witness against us to damnation. How oft the sight of means to do ill deeds make deeds ill done! Hadst not thou been by, a fellow by the hand of nature marked, quoted, and signed to do a deed of shame? This murder had not come into my mind, but taking note of thy abhorred aspect, finding thee fit for bloody villainy, apt, liable to be employed in danger, I faintly broke with thee of Arthur's death. And thou, to be endeared to a king, made it no conscience to destroy a prince. My lord! Hadst thou but shook thy head, or made a pause when I spake darkly what I purposed, or turned an eye of doubt upon my face, as bid me tell my tale in express words, deep shame had struck me dumb, made me break off, and those thy fears might have wrought fears in me. But thou didst understand me by my signs, and didst in signs again parley with sin. Yea, without stop didst thy let thy heart consent, and consequently thy rude hand to act the deed, which both our tongues held vile to name. Out of my sight, and never see me more. My nobles leave me, and my state is braved, even at my gates with ranks of foreign powers. Nay, in the body of this fleshly land, this kingdom, this confine of blood and breath, hostility and civil tumult reigns between my conscience and my cousin's death. Arm you against your other enemies. I'll make a peace between your soul and you. Young Arthur is alive. This hand of mine is yet a maiden and an innocent hand, not painted with the crimson spots of blood. Within this bosom never entered yet the dreadful motion of a murderous thought. And you have slandered nature in my form, which, howsoever rude exteriorly, is yet the cover of a fairer mind and to be a butcher of an innocent child. 
doth Arthur live? Oh, hasty to thee, peers, throw this report on their incensed rage and make them tame to their obedience! Forgive the comment that my passion made upon thy feature, for my rage was blind, and foul imaginary eyes of blood presented thee more hideous than thou art. Oh, answer not, but to my closet bring the angry lords with all expedient haste. I conjure thee, but slowly, run more fast. down. Good grounds be pitiful and hurt me not. This few or none who do know me, if they did, this shipboy's semblance hath disguised me quite. I am afraid, and yet I'll venture it. If I get down and do not break my limbs, I'll find a thousand shifts to get away. It's good to die and go. Let's die and stay. spirit is in these stones. Devon, take my soul, and England, keep my bones. Lords, I will meet Lewis at St Edmundsbury. It is our safety, and we must embrace this gentle offer of the perilous time. Who brought that letter from the Cardinal? The Count Mellon, a noble lord of France, whose private with me of the Dauphin's love is much more general than these lines in port. Tomorrow morning, let us meet him then. Once more today well met, distempered lords. The King, by me, requests your presence straight. The King has dispossessed himself of us. We will not line his thin, bestained cloak with our pure honours, nor attend the foot that leaves the print of blood where'er it walks. Return and tell him so. We know the worst. What do you think? Good words, I think, were best. Our griefs and not our manners reason now. But there is little reason in your grief. Therefore, to a reason, you had manners now. Sir, sir, impatience hath his privilege. Tis true. To hurt his master, no man else. This is the prison. What is he lies here? O oh, death, made proud with pure and princely beauty, the earth hath not a hold to hide this deed. Murder, as hating what himself hath done, doth lay it open to urge on revenge. This is the bloodiest shame, the wildest savagery, the vilest stroke that ever wall-eyed wrath or staring rage presented to the tears of soft remorse. All murders past do stand excused in this, and this, so soul and so unmatchable, shall give thee a holiness, a purity to the yet unbegotten sin of times, and prove of deadly bloodshed but a jest, example by this heinous spectacle. It is a damned and bloody work. Graceless action of a heavy hand, if that it be the work of any hand. It is the shameful work of Hubert's hand, the practice and the purpose of the king, from whose obedience I forbid my soul. Lords, I am hot with haste in seeking you. Arthur doth live. The king hath sent for you. Oh, he is old and blushes not at death. Avaunt! 
thou hateful villain. Get thee gone. I am no villain. Must I rob the law? Your sword is bright, sir. Put it up again. Not till I sheath it in a murderous skin. Stand back, Lord Salisbury. Stand back, I say. By heaven, I think my sword's as sharp as yours. I would not have you, Lord, forget yourself, nor tempt the danger of my true defence, lest I, by marking of your rage, forget your worth, your greatness and nobility. Out, Dunghill. Darest thou brave a nobleman? Not for my life. But yet I dare defend my innocent life against an emperor. Thou art a murderer. Do not prove me so. Yet I am none whose tongue so speaks false, not truly speaks, who speaks not truly lies. Cut him to pieces. Keep the peace, I say. Stand by, or I shall gall you, Falconbridge. Thou wert better gall the devil, Salisbury. Thou but frown on me, or stir thy foot, or teach thy hasty spleen to do me shame, I'll strike thee dead. Put up thy sword be time, or I'll so maul you and your toasting iron that you shall think the devil is come from hell. What will thou do, renowned Falconbridge? Second a villain and a murderer? Lord Pembroke, I am none. Who killed this prince? Tis not an hour since I left him well. I honoured him. I loved him. And will weep my date of life out for his sweet life's loss. Trust not those cunning waters of his eyes. For villainy is not without such room. And he, long trading in it, makes it seem like rivers of remorse and innocency. Away with me. All you whose souls are bore the uncleanly savours of a slaughterhouse, for I'm stifled with this smell of sin. Away towards Bury, to the Dauphin there. There tell the king he may inquire us out. Here's a good world. Knew you of this fair work? Beyond the infinite and boundless reach of mercy, if thou didst this deed of death, Art thou damned, Hubert? Do but hear me! Ha! I'll tell thee what. Thou art more deep damned than Prince Lucifer. There is not yet so ugly a fiend of hell as thou shalt be if thou didst kill this child. Upon my soul! If thou didst but consent to this most cruel act, do but despair. And if thou wantst accord, the smallest thread that ever spider twisted from her womb will serve to strangle thee. Rush will be a beam to hang thee on, or wouldst thou drown thyself? Put but a little water in a spoon, and it shall be all as the ocean. Enough to stifle such a villain up. I do suspect thee very grievously. If I enact consent or sin of thought, be guilty of stealing that sweet breath which was embounded in this beauteous clay. Let hell want pains enough to torture me. I left him well. Go. Bear him in thine arms. I am amazed, methinks, and lose my way among the thorns and dangers of this world. How easy dost thou take all England up from forth this morsel of dead royalty, this life, the right and truth of all this realm is fled to heaven, and England now is left to tug and scamble and to part by the teeth the unowed interest of proud swelling state. Now for the bare-picked bone of majesty doth dogged war bristle his angry crest and snarleth in the gentle eyes of peace. Now powers from home and discontents at home meet in one line. The vast confusion waits as doth a raven on a sick fallen beast 
the imminent decay of rested pomp. Now, happy he whose cloak and cincture can hold out this tempest. Bear away that child and follow me with speed. I'll to the king. A thousand businesses are brief in hand, and heaven itself doth frown upon the land. King John was written by William Shakespeare. It starred T.J. Lee as John, Christopher Courtney as the Bastard, Andrew Faber as Pembroke, John North as Arthur, Andrea Richardson as Salisbury, Jack Knight as Hubert, Gareth Johnson as the Executioner, and Mary Hall as the Messenger. Title music was by Dream Cave, additional music by Epidemic Sound, and sound recording by Gareth Johnson. It was produced and directed by Dario Knight for Unbound.